Hey, Manager After God friends. Thank you for your continued faithfulness and listening each and every week. Jennifer and I have often shared with you about how important prayer is in the life of a believer. It's so important, in fact, that we're told this in 1 Thessalonians. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. It is God's will for us to pray, and we want to inspire you to begin praying for your spouse and marriage every day. This world hates marriage, and so does our enemy because he knows the power that your marriage is meant to have in this world. He knows that if you and your spouse are praying and chasing boldly after God together, that the impact Christ will have in and through you will be powerful. So we need to be praying more than ever before. Our heart is to encourage you along with everyone who listens to this show to be praying for your spouses and your marriages, to be strengthened, renewed, healed, prepared, and empowered to do the ministry that God has for you to do in this world together. So, Jennifer and I would love to invite you to join the thousands of other couples in taking our 31-day marriage prayer challenge. This is a completely free and fun way to build a habit of prayer in your marriage. All you have to do to join is visit marriageprayerchallenge.com and fill out the registration form. Once you do that, you will begin to receive an email every day from us during the 31 days to not only remind you to pray for your spouse, but we'll also give you various topics and prompts to help you know what to pray for. We dare your marriage to start praying like never before. Start the challenge today at marriageprayerchallenge.com. Welcome to the Marriage After God podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Aaron. And I'm Jennifer. We've been married for 14 years. And we have five young children. We started blogging over 10 years ago, sharing our marriage story in hopes of encouraging other husbands and wives to draw closer to God and closer to each other. We have authored over 10 books together, including our newest book, Marriage After God, the book that inspired us to start this podcast. Marriage After God is a message to remind all of us that God designed marriage with a purpose. To reflect His love. To be a light in this world. To work together as a team. Using what He has given us. To build His kingdom. Our hope is to encourage you along your marriage journey. As you boldly chase after God together. This is Marriage After God. Welcome back. Uh, we're Anna Jennifer Smith, your host of the Marriage After God podcast. How are you doing, Jennifer? I'm good. Yeah? yeah. What, are you, what are you drinking? Well, yeah, I'm drinking hot chocolate. Uh-huh. I got a cup of coffee. This is like our second time now doing like <laughs> having drinks while we're... Yeah. we're uh, Last time we both had tea, which was... Interesting. Fun. I like tea. <laughs> but I love coffee way more. So I'm having some coffee right now. Speaking of drinks, me and the kids were learning about water this week, which is just fascinating. Uh, I think that if you haven't had a chance to study water, you I just want to encourage you that you should because it's cool. But did you know that it takes like 45 to 50 gallons of water just to make one cup of orange juice? Are you talking about like from the ground, like the tree? Yeah, like what's required to produce a cup of orange juice. Oh, the amount of oranges. Yeah, um, not 50 <laughs> gallons of water to mix with frozen orange juice concentrate. Yeah, so so deg- for the tree to grow, the amount of oranges necessary, it takes about 45 to 50 gallons right. of water. Oh, it, that's actually it's over, pretty incredible. Because it's over time, you know, that the orange grows. And it so requires- when I have a couple of oranges, it's like drinking 50 gallons of water. <laughs> that's my water for the month. I don't right? know. I thought it was interesting. <laughs> that's awesome. A little tidbit that I memorized this week. But also, um, I got to say one more thing about water because as we were reading this book this orange juice fact was one of them in there but it also said that and i didn't know this aaron did you know this mm, nope. uh, pe- well, let me say it first. <laughs> that a snowflake how it's made and you can look this up like if you google the definition of a snowflake although <laughs> <you have to laughs> be careful look up the scientific like 
Of snow. Of snow. <laughs> a snowflake. Yeah, it's funny. Um, how it's composed is actually ice crystals forming around a piece of dust. Okay. Okay, and I sat there and I and I my jaw dropped and the kids are like, "What, mom?" And I'm like, "Well, the Bible talks about how uh, we're well." That hymn popped up into my mind. He he washes us white as snow, mm-hmm. and I thought, you know, the Bible talks about how as people we're made from the dust. Adam was made from the dust, and here's this picture of a dust molecule flying through the air, surrounded by snow, mm-hmm. ice crystals. And that's what makes a snowflake. I just thought it was such a beautiful picture. So I had to look it up. And um, Isaiah 1.18 says, Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. And so there's this contrast mm-hmm. of um, you know, what we've done and, and that color of crimson, that red. And they shall be as white as snow, pure white no shadows it's almost like god designed it that way he had a cool uh, i know but it's like these a, pictures it's of like the gospel but it's like hidden because no one goes around looking up what what is a snowflake we all just well, assume it's snow i've known about snowflakes for a long time and but didn't know that they were formed around dust i just think <laughs> I that's just thought they formed phenomenal in the air. <laughs> i think it's so pretty i love it and it's and it is it's a when when uh the bible tells us that his hidden attributes his divine nature is, is seen clearly mm-hmm. in nature I think that's awesome. And we're seeing little bits of this, like truth, these truths that God has in the Bible, but it's also shown in nature, which is amazing. Yeah. I I saw another verse, uh, Hebrews 10, 22, uh, not quite about snow or snowflakes, but talking about water. And it says, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, conscience, Mm -hmm. and our bodies washed with pure water. Mm. I thought that was another really just great verse. That happened to pop up when I was researching about snow. And these are uh, good verses to remember as Christians because uh, that's who we are. Because there's times that we don't feel that way. Cleansed, washed, white as snow. You know, the enemy comes in and reminds us of our filth, mm. reminds us of our sin, the, the, those things, that the, the, the wrong thoughts, mm-hmm. the, the attitudes. And then the Holy Spirit says, well, no, I'm, I'm cleansing you of that mm-hmm. and I'm growing you and I, I'm, I'm maturing you. So let's move forward. And let's be something beautiful, yeah. like the uniqueness of a snowflake, Yeah, I <laughs> what, which I love because it's covering the dust, it, the, mm-hmm. the ice, it covers it. And I just, I love that picture. And a bonus, when I was looking up uh, snow pictures of a snowflake online and there was these pictures like super zoomed in mm-hmm. on a snowflake and the, when light hits it, it reflects a prism, a rainbow. Because the composition oh, is yeah. still water. And I love that. I love that this whole picture within this one of the smallest things that we see with our eyes is a snowflake. And you get the dust molecule, the snow surrounding it, God's promise of a rainbow right there. That's awesome. I don't know. The whole, it was just mind-blowing to me. So next time you see a snowflake, think about yourself. Think about God making you white as snow. Yeah. And uh, that's awesome. It's a gospel. Cool yeah. little intro there. <laughs> hey, uh, that, was, that was a really good intro. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, we just want to invite you if you have not done so, um, but many of you have. So we just want to thank you. Uh, many of you have left reviews and ratings for this podcast, and you've done them in various places wherever you listen to this podcast. Uh, you've you've left re- um, reviews, and we love that. But if you haven't yet, if you haven't given us a star rating or review, and you've been blessed by this podcast, would you do that today? 
Would you bless us by leaving a review that helps people find the podcast? It helps all the algorithms um, know how to rank our podcast. And it helps people that when they find our podcast to know what it's about and what people's testimonies are. It's also kind of like a virtual high five. So if you want to high five Aaron and I for what we do for you here on Marriage After God, give us a high five. I like that. <laughs> virtual high five. Here's a, here's a, um, this is a review that someone left and it says this. Uh, I can't say their name. Oh, they're off it. <laughs> I don't know how to say that. Anyways, it says me and my husband are literally all for this podcast. We love how real they are and how they use personal experiences to teach us from their perspective. I love you guys. Excited for the next channel. Love that. I think they're probably talking about next episode, maybe. Or next season. Or next season. Oh, Anyways, we just, we love getting these. We love um, reading them. And so if you want to leave one of those today, that'd be awesome. And like Jennifer said, it'd be like giving us a high five <laughs> virtually. <laughs> so thank you. We'd also like to encourage you guys to sign up for the Marriage Prayer Challenge. You just go to marriageprayerchallenge.com and sign up and you'll get 31 prayers over the next 31 days, uh, encouraging you to pray for your spouse. So uh, if you're listening alongside your spouse, make sure that both of you guys sign up. Yep, marriageprayerchallenge.com. It's completely free. All right, Aaron, you've been excited about this topic. This was kind of your your desire, right? Yeah, probably because it's one of the biggest things I need to work on. <laughs> you didn't have to admit that. <laughs> well, I'm just trying to be honest. All right. Yeah, I was as I was rereading through the notes, I'm like, yep, uh, this is something Oops. that I need. So yeah. um, I'm not coming from um, expertise in this other than coming from what the word says. Um, and it's something that me and you care about and mm -hmm. want to be better and, and want to walk in. And so Always. Um, love. <laughs> walking in love <laughs> this is it should be so easy right mm. no it's, it's easy big, to say it's easy to <laughs> say that's kind of what we're going to talk about today is it's so easy to say actually should we tell them who said i love you first this has nothing to do with our notes or what we're going to talk about today but well, let them guess wait, wait ready let, let them have a few seconds okay who so you, if you're listening who do you think told the other that they love them first and we're talking about us aaron Me, or jen yeah, aaron and jen Okay. Okay, ready? I did. <laughs> it was me. Everyone's probably like, yeah. And I was patient. <laughs> was. I waited for you, but that's okay. Uh, you I wanted just... to say you loved me when you knew of me in high school, didn't you? Like, and yeah. I didn't even know. That's okay. That's all right. I mean, you loved. Yes, you did. You said you loved me first. Did I, wait, did I actually, did I tell you I loved you back? Of course. I after did. after some silence and making me nervous and me wanting to like jump out of the car because I was so embarrassed. <laughs> It's a, you big, made me, well, it's a big word. Yeah, I was already like, what's it called? Blushed? Blushed? Yeah, blushing. Blushed you? <laughs> just I had already pink cheeks from being embarrassed from saying it because I just wanted to get it out there. And then you made my pinks red. Red-faced. Red-faced. Anyways, we we did pronounce our love for each other in my car. Uh, so that's a that's a fun little, little tidbit for everyone listening about us that Jennifer said she loved me first. I'll say this. I think we both knew way before anyone ever said it. Yeah, so it wasn't that we had no idea. And you weren't was, surprised by me saying it. I wasn't. It was more of a... There, it's out. Yeah, we were being <laughs> slow. Patient. To, to, say, to say the word. <laughs> yeah. Because it meant something. Which is what we're talking about today, what it means. And, and this idea of love. And saying it and other things around okay. love. Yeah. All right, let's jump in. Um, love's a big word. Like I just mentioned I mean, a second ago. I mean, it's four letters, but yeah, I get your point. <laughs> It's not a big word in length, <laughs> but it's a big word in meaning, right? Um, but here's the, 
problem, and I, this is why I wanted to start this way, is that the problem with love being a big word is we use it in a lot of ways, right? Yeah, like I love my plants. I love my house. I love art, cereal, ice cream, <laughs> right? Yeah, music. What do you love, Aaron? Uh, pizza. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> I love pizza. Uh, You'd think being a pizza delivery guy would deter you from pizza No, in fact, loving. it <laughs> increased my love for pizza. <laughs> okay. Uh, if you didn't know anything, uh, one of my earlier jobs was a pizza delivery driver. I loved it. It was actually while we were, we knew each other yeah. um, early early on yeah. in our relationship. Um, but I do love pizza. Um, I love trying new things, like little adventurous things. I don't know. Um, I really love board games. I think you do too. Mm-hmm. We're like game people. Well, I'm, I'm competitive, so it actually doesn't matter what we're playing or what we're doing as You're long just, as I win. You like competition. <laughs> yeah. You like winning. I love That's winning. A- <laughs> I love winning. You don't you guys love yeah. winning? <laughs> Um, I love movies, um, so it's kind of unfortunate and actually nice because I watch less movies, but with all the movie theaters being shut and all that stuff, oh, yeah. like, but I do love movies. Um, watch them way less than I used to, but we love lots of things. Mm-hmm. So, but there's other kinds of things that we love, right? With a, with a different kind of love. I'd say a deeper kind of love. Yeah. Like I love our kids. I love you. That's good. <laughs> do you love me like you like cereal? <laughs> different <laughs> those are different levels of love i like you both um no but we love each other uh we love our friends we love god we love jesus mm-hmm. but that's definitely not the same kind of love right they're mm-hmm. different yeah like my love of pizza or my love of my children they're not even in the same you know planetary alignment they're not in the same category <laughs> okay that was a weird right? way to say it but i get, I I get you a following but they're the same word Right. And it, um, and I feel like in our modern day culture, the word love is not as defined as it used to be. Mm-hmm. Like we use love for a lot of things. It's used like on a broader sense. Yeah. It's diluted. It's, it used to have such, so much more meaning, um, especially in the Bible. But now, like, we just, oh, I love that. I love this. Like, everything's, we love everything. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but they cannot be the same kind of love. Um, and it's obvious that they're different kinds of love, but mm-hmm. it's hard when the, we use the same word for all different kinds of love. Um, would you agree? Yeah. Like when, when I say that I love you, it's not the same kind of love that I am saying that I love those other things. Right. Yes. I'm following. In essence, we, when we use love, it's more <laughs> like a, I really enjoy these things. I really like these things. I desire these kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want these things. Um, well, you know me, I love talking about definition. So mm-hmm. who gets to define love? Is it, is it culture, modern history, poems, magazines? I would say currently those are the things that define current culture's word for love. Mm-hmm. Um, the news, the yeah, magazines, what um, movie stars or pop stars, how they are saying this is what love is. How they use it, we kind of all just yep. follow along. But, I mean, we do know as believers that the creator himself has defined love. That's true. He he's the one who gets to say what it is and what it means, not the world, Mm -hmm. Um, not even ourselves, because we can even at times define what love is, which is kind of what we're, I want to discuss. We want to discuss in this episode is we, we do this ourselves when we say, well, I love you. Right. But it doesn't always add up. Right. So with the with society using word, the word love in so many different ways, many things de- defining it, um, it's been watered down so much and used in so many ways. It's become easy 
in our, even in our most important things, like our relationships to use the word flippantly mm. where we just, we throw it out. I love you, but it, do we really mean it? Yeah. It's like we have one word that encompasses uh, so many other different words, really. Right. And what's interesting is in the Bible. Or, or, not all words. I'm sorry. I meant all versions. Like right. we have the word love that means a lot of different things. But it's one word. But one word. Which can be very confusing. Which is why people use it in so many different ways mm-hmm. is what I'm trying to say. Well, and it's important to, to realize that because, you know, when we talk about all the things that we love and then we just also love our wife, mm-hmm. also love our spouse, or, you know, our kids. Mm-hmm. But there's something that's going to make these mean something different. In the, in the Bible, in the Greek and the Hebrew, there's several different words for love. You can look those up. It's a great study to do, a word study on the word love in the, in the Bible. And each one has a different meaning. Each, each one's used for a different purpose. And they're much more defined. They're much more, they make much more sense. And they're almost always in um, this situation of relationship. But in this episode, we're going to not focus on the words necessarily for love, but rather the proof of love. Ooh, I love that. So to better illustrate this, I may say, I love my wife. Like, I love you. But how do you know that to be true? How do you know that I'm saying what, what I'm saying isn't just words, but truth? Because you show me sh- and your actions back up what you're saying. Exactly. So, but we do this. We, we say it all the time. Like, Oh, I love you. Like, I know this happened, but I love you. Mm-hmm. But what's hard is then in our hearts and our minds, there's a disconnect. Mm-hmm. We can feel it. We may not be able to verbalize it. Real it's- quick before moving on. I think that's important to note that when, when your words and actions are the same, are, are backing each other up, that's when trust is built. Mm-hmm. And you just use the word disconnect. So when you say one thing, you say, I love you, but your actions don't back that up, that disconnect contributes to distrust. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. I think that's important to note for marriage marriages listening. And that's what we want to talk about because we all would say we love our spouse. And if you're listening and you're not in a place where you could say you love your spouse... And I pray that this encourages you in this episode. I pray that you'd go before the Lord and mm. ask him to help you love your spouse. But it's, it's important because our, our words matter and our actions matter. And someone brought up once at our church about the actions of Jesus and how important they were because they lined up with his words. Mm. He did what he said. Mm. He said what he did. He fulfilled his own word. He fulfilled what God's word was. Which is why we can trust him. Which is why what we, is what we can trust him. So real quick, you we titled this episode, Are You Really Loving? Mm-hmm. But I think the real question, what we're going to look at today is, are we acting in truth when we say, I love, I love you? Right. I love, okay. And, then, and that's what we need to ask ourselves. And that's why we're going to walk through some things just to kind of challenge us mm-hmm. in, in keeping us from just throwing out the word. And making that like a default, like I can, yeah, I'm acting this way and this way and this way. And, but you know, I love you. Right. Mm. Well, that's actually a good (laughs) question. Can we say that we love and are, um, not necessarily required to act, act on that or act, you know, act like we do. I don't know. How do you feel when I say that I love you, but I don't act like it? Yeah. Like, like you used the word proof earlier. And I just love that because I think that it's proof. Right. Yeah. So if I don't act like it, 
then it doesn't matter what I said. Mm. I can say, I love you. <laughs> but uh, my actions aren't even close to showing it. Mm. Then you're thinking, do you really though? Mm. Do you really love me? <laughs> and that's not good to place doubt in our spouse's hearts yeah. and minds. But we do love. And the Bible shows us. Jesus makes it very clear how we will know if we love him or not. He doesn't, it's not a, with Jesus, it's not a, as long as you just say you love me and like you can do whatever you want and we're good. Just say you love me. Now Jesus makes it very clear how we will know if we love him or not. And this is what Jesus says in John 14, chapter, or verse 15. If you love me, it's very clear. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Mm. So he makes it very clear. He's not looking for, um, as he, his term is lip service. He's not looking for him to, for people to just say they love him. He wants people to show they love him. So in deeds, like in your actions, obedience to his word. First John three, verse 18, he says, little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. Mm. Again, this clear clarifies this idea of what it looks like to love. We can use our words and our, and let it be that only, which we do. I, I do this. I say it, but I don't do it. But he says, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. Before you go on and explain how really important this is, can I interrupt with one little story about Truett? Yes. <laughs> okay. So our number four, he's uh, two and a half and he's been a slower, sl- slow to talker. Slower to talk. Yeah. Slower to talker. Out of the other kids, and uh, I think partly is because he just gets away with it. Everybody like interprets what he's trying to say and just doesn't make him say much. So I've been trying to work with him on, um, how, yeah. you know, how he talks, speaking to us, speaking to us. And he runs up to my lap the other day and he says, "Love you, mom." And it's like his first like big sentence where he's pronounced everything correctly and his eyes were just so lit up. And I just thought, oh my word, I love you so much. And then he kept doing it for like a whole minute. It was so sweet over and over and over again. Because he knew he got it. Yeah. But I, I, you know, you're talking about this verse. It says, little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. And as much as that mm-hmm. moment impacted me for Truett and I, uh, and what he was sharing with me, that he loves me, it was unprompted and out of nowhere, and I know that to be true. I think that kids do less talking and more actions all the time if we're paying attention. They show us in oh, good. what they give us, and they don't have much, but they'll you know rewrap one of their gifts for us. They'll write or draw a picture for us. They crawl up into our laps and want to like be true, affectionate. True or, it runs up and just wants to hold my leg. Yeah. <laughs> they'll grab our hands randomly. And I think that all those little ways of them expressing what we mean to them is exactly that. So I love that this verse is saying little children, because it's almost like he's talking to all of us as children of God, mm-hmm. but really it's like a draw to, Hey, look at the children. <laughs> That's really good. Cause they do. They, they are less about just words. Mm-hmm. I think that's something that they grow <laughs> grow yeah. into as they yeah. get older. But they're yeah, they're they're deeds, and and I like that it puts deeds with truth because mm-hmm. you were talking about that. That it's like um, it's like lying. Mm-hmm. Like you say it, but you don't do it. You're mm-hmm. not telling the truth. Mm-hmm. But when you say it and do it, that's the truth. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is the same for how we love our neighbors and fellow believers, mm-hmm. uh, not in words alone, but in deed and in truth. It's in the action. It's in commitment. It's in obedience. It's in that heart posture toward mm-hmm. the thing that you're saying. It's the proof. Yeah, it's the it's the doing. It's it's how we act. Yeah. 
Um, and as we always say, uh, like in our book, our closest neighbor is our spouse. <laughs> so it's, it gets to start in the home. We, we mm-hmm. get to practice acting out our love for our spouse, for our children, and then our church, and then our neighbors, and then, you know, strangers. And, uh, but it, it, it starts there and trickles out from there. So how often do you think we say we love each other? Multiple times a day. I'd say definitely at the end of every phone call <laughs> and uh-huh. before we close our eyes at night, before we go to bed. Yeah, a lot. Like it, yeah. it, we don't have a number. No. That was a, a rhetorical question. We oh, say it a lot. <laughs> no, it's good because it is multiple times a day. I don't, I would have put a number if I knew exactly, but there's no way to know. Mm. It's a lot. Um, Here would be my question if I was to ask a question. How many of our disagreements, disappointments, or contention between us how how often is that a result of feeling unloved in some way? Probably most of them, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like if it's if it's that was me, rhetorical too. Yeah. See, <laughs> there you go. Uh, but what's interesting about this is we just answered how we say we love each other a lot, <laughs> but then we have contentions and and disappointments and disagreements as a result of feeling unloved. Mm. So the amount of times we say it isn't adding and up. how often we act it out is not the same. Uh, it's th- that equation doesn't work, um, but this is, this is true. Everyone that's listening is probably thinking like, Oh mm. yeah. Yeah. Because this is, this is marriage. This is life. <laughs> we have to, we have to navigate this, but if we have our minds on, Oh man, I need like, I'm not even acting in love right now. I should like, I shouldn't even say I love you if I'm not acting like it. I need to uh, make an adjustment in my behavior to show you. I love you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that could come into the, just an example, humbling myself in an argument and saying, I, Hey, I don't want to fight. I'm really sorry. How can I help this? Yeah. Like slowing it down instead of mm. ramping it up, mm-hmm. which is something that I, <laughs> I can tend to do. Well, we both do it when we <laughs> yeah. walk in the flesh. Um, uh, you said we all get to navigate this in marriage and I think that it's so important to acknowledge that love is a massively important part of the infrastructure or foundation of the marriage relationship. Mm-hmm. And if there's no love, then there's no trust. There's no hope. There's no purpose. Those mm-hmm. things begin to crumble if the infrastructure, if the foundation isn't solid. And so as much as we say we love each other and we think that our marriage is going okay, I think it's really important to constantly reevaluate that foundation and say, are there any cracks? Are there any places where I need to mm-hmm. reinforce, affirm, and um, show better <laughs> yeah. that structure? So does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. So why don't we look at how the Bible defines it? Wait, are you going to the... Well, yeah, section? I mean, it, it's an important section. <laughs> it's, it's the love section. Oh, man. It's 1 Corinthians 13. Everyone calls it the love chapter in the Bible. Um, We're going to give you a piece now and then the big chunk later. Yeah. And there's a reason it's quoted so much. Um, it's because we need it to get this right. Mm-hmm. It says this in verse one. If I speak in tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith... So as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. So without love, we're nothing. Without love, we gain nothing. Mm -hmm. So we must learn what love is, and we must understand what love does, and how it motivates us to action. Yeah. 
I want to make one note. This is a little side note, but I noticed in this. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and I even think 11, it's talking about all the gifts of the Spirit mm -hmm. and like tongues and prophecy and all these things. And this is mentioning these, these, these ideas of, of gifts, which means that we can operate in giftings, but not be walking in love. So it's not the same thing as showing love to mm -hmm. one another. And at the at end of chapter 12, he talks about how he would show them an even greater way. And then he goes into talking about love. Yeah. <laughs> so the greater way, it's like, yeah, you can walk in these giftings. You can walk in this, these, these things that God's given you and not have love. Mm -hmm. And it's like a resounding symbol, a noisy gong. It's not, it's not the complete picture. God wants us to walk in love. And yeah, so we gain nothing. We are nothing if we don't have love. So I got a, a question for you listeners and for you, Jennifer. Do you know what the first mention of love in the Bible is? No. <laughs> I'm just going to be straightforward. I don't. Did you, you didn't know before the, I mean, mm -mm. you're probably looking at the notes, right? But I'm just being honest. I didn't know. Yes, I see um, your notes, but I didn't know. Well, there's something for those that like, like to study the Bible and I hope you all do. There's something interesting about words and when you find the first mentions of them because mm. they, they have value of why they were mentioned there in the first place. Um, that the first mention in the Bible of love is when God tests Abraham's faith. Mm. Okay, Abraham, the father of faith. Um, but at the same time in this story, gives a foreshadow of how he plans to show the world his own love and faithfulness. It's in Genesis chapter 22, which by the way, is really crazy that it takes 22 chapters in the Bible before you hear the word love. That's what I was thinking. That's why I just, <laughs> yeah. I, I, the first thing I thought of was God in the garden. Like, duh, but, I'm, but I was surprised by yeah. this. It says this, he said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So this is a pretty familiar story. Mm-hmm. Abraham's to go sacrifice his son, you know, and we hear, we know how that goes. God stops him, but it was to test his faith. He says, now I know you will not withhold anything from me, even your own son. But he says, the son whom you love, right? This was the, his, the son of promise. And it sounds really familiar. Read that verse right there, Matthew uh, 3.17. And behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Mm. So nice little tie in there. Jesus like is God's beloved son with whom he's well pleased, right? Like Isaac was Abraham's beloved son. Hmm. And then read this one, John three 16. I'm pretty sure everyone everybody knows, this, knows one. this one. Okay. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And that is the gospel. God sent his son that he loved to be a sacrifice that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. And there's a great correlation here that God loves his son, Jesus, and Jesus was motivated by love for us and for the father. And that same love compels us to live for him and not ourselves. Mm -hmm. Right. And so we have this picture of Abraham and his son, and it's the first mention of love in the Bible. And it's a foreshadow of the gospel of Jesus coming. And that's, that's the first time we hear love is when it's foreshadowing the gospel. It's more specifically about Jesus coming to die on a cross, which is incredible, I think. That's amazing. I didn't, I never tied those two together like that. When you see him, mm -hmm. you know, back to back, it's just really powerful. 
So let's look at some more scripture in John 15 verses 9 and 10. It says, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. So he again, we see this picture of love in action. Mm-hmm. Abide is an action word. It's not a passive word. So he says, abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. So he says how to do it. So Jesus' commandments, to love your neighbor as yourself, right? To love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. He says those are the greatest two commandments. Mm-hmm. And all of the law of God hangs mm-hmm. on those two commands. And so if you, lo- if you love God, you'll abide in those things. And that's how you abide in God's love, in Christ's love. It's an action. It's not just, I said it. I love Jesus. Great. How do you know? How do you know you love Jesus? How does Jesus know you love Jesus? How does the world know you love Jesus? Here's another verse. It says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. Even God, his it says, see what great love the Father has lavished on us. See. So here's the proof of God's love, of what he lavished on us. And then all you have to do is start in Genesis and read uh, Revelation. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, that we should be called children of God. So him making us children of God, when we used to be children of wrath, mm-hmm. right? Is him showing his love. He doesn't just say, I love you, figure it out. He says, I love you and I'm going to lavish it on you by making you my children in my son, Jesus. Mm-hmm. He shows it. What I love is uh, this verse right here, First John four nineteen. We love because... He first loved us. And there's an order to that action. There's an order yeah. to that action because his love is what motivates us. It's what compels us. It's what draws us near to him and near to others. It's what we choose to walk out in. Mm-hmm. Not because we just understood one day what love was or read, read the dictionary you know, definition of love. It's because he loved us first. And I think there's a lesson there that uh, I think in marriage, not I think, I know, we can get into this cycle of when you treat me right, Mm. I'll treat you right. Conditions. When you love me well, I'll love you well. Mm -hmm. But we see this, we love because he first Mm -hmm. loved us. So we can actually initiate in love. We can walk in it. We can be quicker to forgive. We can get, be quicker to give grace and understanding and patience. And we can, be, we can go out of our way to do something for our spouse, regardless if we think they deserve it or not. Mm-hmm. But the fact that they're your spouse means that they deserve your love. So they do deserve it. Uh, but we can initiate it. And I would imagine most spouses would recognize that, mm-hmm. would see it, would be drawn into it, and would desire to reciprocate it. Mm-hmm. So rather than waiting for the other person to do it, and having a bad attitude about it like we do, tend to have. Or fall into the trap of hearing those lies of, well, I'm not going to do it if... Da, 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 da. Right, yeah. So If yeah, they're not... I'm or not going to, because they don't. Yeah. yeah. Or right. because they did this, done that. you know, X, Y, Z. Ephesians 5.25. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So we see this picture of the way a husband should love his wife is the way Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. This reveals that proof of love that yeah. Christ gave himself up for his bride. Yeah, so how do we know Christ loved his bride? He sacrificed himself. <laughs> he 
gave himself up for he her. He gave everything. <laughs> yeah, he would. He went to the cross. Yeah. This is this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. That's First John three sixteen. Like, it's all of these verses were showing that love is not a word; it's a way of being. Mm-hmm. It's a thing we do. All of these, Christ showed it. God showed it. Abraham showed it. We, we have these pictures of what love looks like in the Bible. So I know that Jesus is our Lord. He's our Savior. He's a lot of things to us, but this next verse shows us he's also our friend. John fifteen thirteen. greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. So Jesus did. He did it for us. And again, going back to that, that motivation of why we can love others, why we can do this and obey his word and live this way is because he did it first. Action. Uh, Luke six twenty seven. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. So I put this one in here and then I bolded do good because it just shows that, again, it's something that you're doing. You're intentional. You're choosing. There's proof yeah. in your love. Colossians 3.14, put on love which binds everything together in perfect harmony. So we have this action, put on love. It's something that you're going to act in, something you're going to walk in, something you're going to perform. So, you know, I used the word compel earlier, uh, and some some people might remember this verse, uh, but it's in different versions. We hear it different ways. And so I'll read the ESV, but I'm also going to show you where the word compel is. Um, 2 Corinthians 5, 14 through 15 says, For the love of Christ controls us, or for the love of Christ compels us, because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died, and he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised again. So Aaron, just thinking about what you just said about we don't have to... um, or, or you, you're talking about initiation and you're, you were saying uh, what we do is not contingent upon the other person. We can actually initiate love and we can choose to walk that out. It's because of this, what this verse is saying that we live for Christ and Christ has called us to love one another. So if a husband um, is not in a, has a wife that maybe is distant, isn't quite in love as she used to be, or there's something, this turmoil, he can be controlled by Christ's love mm-hmm. for her, mm-hmm. right? So he knows Christ loves him. He knows Christ loves her. And so he can be as compelled or controlled by Christ's love because Christ died for him and he knows it. And so he can pursue her in that way. To be that initiator. Which is incredibly difficult, which is an example of dying to yourself. And wives, we can do the same thing. <laughs> and that's what we, we want to do. We want to let the love of Christ control us. So that he flows through us, not our flesh. Because like we talked about earlier, when our flesh gets in the way, uh, it don't work so well. So if love is a foundational, is foundational in our relationships with God and with others, if we say we love, the proof will show in our actions. Amen. It will show in our obedience to the word of God, and it will show in how we conduct ourselves toward others. Namely, our spouse. 
Yeah, close. To, if, I mean, first and foremost. First and foremost, yeah. yeah. So going back real quick to uh, when we were talking about what, you know, what or who defines love. And I said, the creator himself. Do you want to read yeah. this next verse? First John 4, 7 through 16. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God. Because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. By this, we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him, and he in God. So we have come to know and to, to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. So not just that God defines love, God is love. Mm. So what he says love is, is what he is. Mm. So we do not get to make up our own definitions of love because then we're making up our own definition of God <laughs> because he is love. So we should be careful to look at what the word says love is because it's showing us a picture of who God is. Let's look at that. Let's finish reading 1 Corinthians 13. That's perfect. Starting in verse, verse 4. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. Yeah, can we get rid of the irritable or resentful um, <laughs> one? Only on Monday and Tuesday and <laughs> sometimes Friday. Um, but <laughs> And also the bears all things and believes all things. Yeah, those, those are a What does that hard. even mean? Well... <laughs> This is, well, this is showing us who God is. So it tells us that he is patient because he's not willing that any should perish. That's bearing all things. He's, he's, he's waiting, right? But that, that's what we should be. When we're rude, we're not walking in love. When we're not being patient, this is a question we always ask ourselves because we'll say, I love you, but and, and we had to ask ourselves, well, like, was I really loving? Because I actually was very impatient, which means I'm not walking in love because God is patient. So we can look at this, and this is God's definition. He's defining himself, actually. But this is how he desires us to walk in his spirit. So it, get, it becomes really easy to find out if we are walking in the proof or if we're just using words. And the words don't line up with our actions. Uh, Aaron, you've joked about the heart chart or the love chart. Do you want to? Yeah, I, w I, I'm going to just, <laughs> I tried making one and it did not work the way I wanted it to work. Okay. But essentially Give them the idea. it's just whenever you feel like you, when you say you love and you're looking at a situation, you get to ask yourself, well, was I being patient? If it's no, then you're not loving. And so you get to go back and repent and say, okay, I, I want to love. I need to be patient. And then you're like, am I being kind? No. 
oh, then I'm not loving. So I need to go back. <laughs> okay. Am I being patient? So it's this idea of okay. you, you just, you look at what it says. So instead of defining, cause man, we do this. I love you. Uh, yeah. I'm, I was just really frustrated, but I, I love you. And then you realize like how I totally acted just now was not loving. Mm -hmm. So why are we saying we love when we're not acting like we love? I, I, I do this when I'm being impatient with the kids. I'm not walking in love with my kids. Mm -hmm. So I can all day long say, I love my kids. But if I'm not patient with them, how do they know I love them? They don't. And that's just the first word. Then there's kind, does not envy or boast, is yeah. not arrogant, rude, insists on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. does not rejoice at wrongdoing. It rejoices with the truth, mm -hmm. bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Yeah, when I'm being irritable, like mm. and that idea of irritable means easily um, frustrated. Mm. Like I'm, like I can be, I can be triggered easily. Mm. I'm just sensitive. If I'm being that way, then I'm loving myself and no one else mm. because I don't want anyone to bother me. Don't touch me. Uh, like, oh, you did it again. Oh, like making people walk on eggshells is not loving people. That's this idea of ir irritability. Like I'm, I'm easily offended. That's another word that the uh, other translations mm. use is easily offended. So I love play on words and we have this section of scripture that is talking about love. And then at the very end, it says love never ends, which draws you back up to the beginning. And it reminds you that God's you infinite. keep, yeah, that God's infinite for sure. But that also that we're supposed to keep persevering, enduring and living out this way of love. And I think so often, maybe I shouldn't use the word often, but in marriage, I think just overall, because I think we're fleshly people and we, you know, what? No, and, and I'm not saying yeah, just are. specific to us. I'm trying to get this picture out that marriage In can general, be difficult. We're all, yeah, we have a flesh. We have a flesh. And I think we can be tempted very easily to um, put a quick end to those ways of being. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Rather than just con continuing on to, doing the to, next right thing. To, to be, yeah, to persevere in patience, to persevere in kindness, to mm -hmm. keep extending these ways of love and proof that you actually do love. Um, and here's an encouragement, because I think someone could take this and say, well, I've been impatient lately. It doesn't mean I don't love my kids or my spouse. No, the point is, is that because God loves us, the idea of abiding in his love and give, being given of his spirit, all these verses we just read that talk about these things, is when we get convicted, when I mm -hmm. recognize, man, I wasn't walking in patience. What happens is because I love my kids, I'm willing to repent mm -hmm. and grow and next time be more patient. Because if I genuinely didn't love, I would not care. Be like, no, I'm not going to be more patient with you. I don't want to be more patient with you. No, I want to be more patient with my kids something that we pray about often, like God, give us more patience. God, give us, help us be more kind, more gentle, help us to, to be more playful, help us to, so just because we make a mistake and we didn't walk in love in the moment doesn't mean we don't love, it means that we didn't prove it mm. <laughs> in that moment. And so we, that's what's awesome about God is he's, he is patient with us because he loves us and he's given us his Holy Spirit to convict us of sin and righteousness. And so He's working on us. Mm -hmm. So and praise God that he calls it out on us. Amen. And uh, as we abide in him, that understanding and those reminders that we should be loving and how to love will be reinforced in our minds and in our hearts 
but how do we abide in him? In his word. We're in his word. So yeah. if this, you listening to this right now, if this is, this is an opportunity for you to take a heart check and say, am I really loving? Am I loving my spouse? Am I loving my children? Am I loving God? And um, using the scripture that we've shared throughout this entire episode to consider if you're truly loving or not, but also are you abiding? Are you in God's word? Because when we step outside of that and we are going week to week without being fed and consuming his word, we're going to forget and we're going to let the flesh rule in our ways of being. Right. Which is why we're told to abide, which is a continual process that we are because it, um, in first John, it says, if you're going to walk in the spirit, then keep in step with the spirit. The spirit of God's moving. Mm. We don't control it. He's moving. And so we need to be following, (laughs) keeping in step with him. Like you said, so getting in the word and this, again, this isn't to tell you whether or not you are saved. This is because you're saved. Go look in the word and see how your actions line up with what it says how your way of thinking lines up with what it says and let the word of God transform you by the renewing of your mind mm-hmm. and because that's what we need. And this question of, are you really loving? It's, it's not really fair because it's not really a yes or no question because every single one of us know that regardless of how we acted today um, or even all the ways that we have proven our love, we know that we can be greater at it, deeper at it, wider at it. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, with the power I think of the Holy that, Spirit for yeah. sure. So I think it's a good time to just dig in with ourselves and and follow up with, what can I do to prove my love? Whether I'm proving it to God, proving it to you, proving it to my kids, my friends, my family, yeah, so others. That we, so that we're people of our word. Yeah, I think we should ask it every day. We do what we say. <laughs> uh, and you have a note here that says, don't let your grub, gr- don't. <laughs> you have a note here that says, don't let your love grow cold. Okay, so I put that there because I was just recently reading um, Matthew 24. And, you know, it's talking about the end times. Yeah. And I, yeah, it's just an encouragement. Don't let your love grow cold. It says in those days, the love of many will grow cold. And so we're seeing that. We're seeing people that are, they don't care. They're, they're easily angered. They are frustrated. They, they, there's certain groups that they just don't like. And that's the hearts of many, but it doesn't need to be our hearts. Yeah, let's not be them. We can have warm, soft hearts. And the Holy Spirit does that for us. Okay, Aaron. So since I like to be practical. You know this. <laughs> Everyone listening knows this. I always bring it up. But for those listening, we've talked about love and how to prove your love and, and the spiritual side of all of this, which is great. Mm. Let's do a lightning round of three practical ways a husband can show love and a wife can show love or prove their love mm-hmm. uh, on a daily basis so that those listening can go home and activate. <laughs> this is good for the husband's. Because like like me, they're probably thinking like, okay, so what's the three step program? How do I do this? <laughs> what's the formula? I want to do this. Like, what what do I do tomorrow? <laughs> All right, get something to write these down. Ready? All right. Hold Number, on. Do you go first or do I go first? Uh, I'll read these ones because they're for me to okay. you. Okay. And they're convicting. Okay. <laughs> Number one, sit with her, look in her eyes, maybe with your arm around her and just smile, be close. So this is like a, a closeness, like intentional close proximity. It's like the world spinning around you, but the two of you are not. Yeah. I'm here. Look at me. Things are still between Your us. Your eyes, they're beautiful. It's calm. You're my everything. Yeah. <laughs> Number two, it says stick around after dinner and help clean up uh, and, or encourage her to take a moment to herself. 
this is you, something that I've done. You do this very well. He'll, he, you'll let me go like take a bath and you clean up or be with the kids. Yeah. Uh, leave a note for her, number three, on her pillow, maybe before she wakes up, um, or on the kitchen counter, or a post-it on the mirror. You've These actually, just, you've written in the mirror before. <laughs> Yeah, hopefully like, the steam stays yeah. long enough. But, <laughs> uh, but these are just some real, these were really great practical like ways. I, I'm sure all the wives that are listening are like, oh, I'd really appreciate that. Look, we know these aren't the super deep, super wide, super, you know, great, greater ways of showing love. But I'll tell you what, being in marriage, what, 14 years now? It's those small ways that add up over time that really do build that trust. Yeah. And then asking the Lord to help you be more creative. Totally. He's the God of creativity. So He'll how, show you. So how can a wife uh, prove, okay. show, act? Um, affirm him with your words. Acknowledge something that he is doing right or something that he's growing in, something that you see in him, um, and encourage him. That's a good one. I love affirmation. I know you do. <laughs> uh, number two, encourage a conversation you know he's interested in and just sit back and listen. Be engaging, but you know, let him teach you something new or share something that's been on his heart or mind. That's a good one. You like to do that with me. Number three. I've learned a lot of things from you actually doing that. Okay. You're, you're number three, by the way. You can um, <laughs> practice tonight if you'd like. I'm just okay. throwing out there. Uh, give him a back massage or a foot massage just because. Just because. <laughs> totally. I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> okay. That's a good one. <laughs> All right, you guys. I hope that you um, <laughs> were encouraged by this episode. Obviously, there are millions of more unique ways to love your spouse, especially when you take the time to study them or know them well. Mm -hmm. uh, so take the time to do that for your spouse. Our challenge for you this week is just to be thoughtful of how you show and prove your spouse and affirm your love for them. It's great. Okay. Speaking of great... <laughs> what are you what are you grateful for? That continuing was, That was amazing. Yeah, continuing okay. our uh, uh, our challenge for the month or for the season I should say. Yeah, so we kicked se season 5 off with this um section of the podcast where we thought it'd be fun to share the things that we're grateful for as encouragement for you to think about things that you're grateful for and and that we're just going to share a bunch of gratefulness this whole year. <laughs> be right? great, grateful people. Let's be grateful people. So I'll start. Perspective is key. Yeah. I'm grateful for health. I was just thinking about it when I was trying to write down, like, what am I grateful for? Um, well, it, it's interesting because when we're sick, mm -hmm. all we want to be is healthy. That's true. And then when we're healthy, we forget about what it's like to be sick. Mm -hmm. And I was just realizing, like, I'm really happy that right now we're healthy. Yeah. And Mostly healthy. Do you want to share with them what happened to your elbow? Oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah, I was walking. Uh, it's been snowing and it's freezing outside. And I was walking with my stroller to take it into the garage from the van. And I slipped on the ice and fell right on my elbow. It's pretty swollen. It hurts really bad. <laughs> Sorry. I don't know what's wrong with it, but it don't feel good. I'm healthy though. You're super healthy. I'm. I wrote this before I did this to my elbow, by the way. <laughs> but no, but I'm even with my elbow hurting. I am grateful for for our health. Mm -hmm. um, it's been nice, especially with five kids um, going through any sickness. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> takes a while. Yeah. <laughs> so. Okay, and I'm grateful for testimony. Just the good deeds, the works, the things that happen, and those who give God the glory for it. <laughs> um, I know That's my good. faith has always been encouraged and increased when I hear of, um, you know, people's testimonies or things that are going on in people's lives because God is working and He is moving. And I love hearing about it. Yeah. And for those of you who don't know, a testimony is simply what God has done in your life mm -hmm. for you, through you. Um, maybe you can be challenged to share that this week. Share your testimony with someone. That's a good idea. Yeah. 
Cool. All right. And then as always, we would like to end in prayer. Dear Lord, thank you for sending us your son whom you love and who took what we deserve so that we can have a relationship with you, eternity with you. Thank you for your great love. Thank you for loving us and caring for us. We pray we would receive your love and share your love with others. We pray we would show our deep love through action and in truth. Please give us the courage and the boldness to love extravagantly and to love deeply. We pray our insecurities and selfishness would not get in the way of truly loving others. We pray the love we experience in our marriages would be extraordinary. We hope others would see how we love each other and know it is because of you. May you be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us on this episode. We love you. Again, you guys are our share warriors and our prayer warriors. If uh, you feel obliged, we'd love for you to spread the word about this podcast. Share it in an email, a text message. Uh, invite someone to listen to it with you. Uh, and Get the word out. Um, so we love you all, and we look forward to having you on our next episode. Hey, Marriage After God friends. Thank you for your continued faithfulness in listening each and every week. Jennifer and I have often shared with you about how important prayer is in the life of a believer. It's so important, in fact, that we're told this in 1 Thessalonians. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. It is God's will for us to pray, and we want to inspire you to begin praying for your spouse and marriage every day. This world hates marriage, and so does our enemy because he knows the power that your marriage is meant to have in this world. He knows that if you and your spouse are praying and chasing boldly after God together, that the impact Christ will have in and through you will be powerful. So we need to be praying more than ever before. Our heart is to encourage you along with everyone who listens to this show to be praying for your spouses and your marriages, to be strengthened, renewed, healed, prepared, and empowered to do the ministry that God has for you to do in this world together. So, Jennifer and I would love to invite you to join the thousands of other couples in taking our 31-day marriage prayer challenge. This is a completely free and fun way to build a habit of prayer in your marriage. All you have to do to join is visit marriageprayerchallenge.com and fill out the registration form. Once you do that, you will begin to receive an email every day from us during the 31 days to not only remind you to pray for your spouse, but we'll also give you various topics and prompts to help you know what to pray for. We dare your marriage to start praying like never before. Start the challenge today at marriageprayerchallenge.com.